Welcome to the My Intimacy Therapist podcast. I'm therapist and coach, Shade Giovanni. If you want to feel less anxiety in your relationships and enjoy a confident and spiritual intimate life, you're in the right place. So grab a cup of tea and a warm blanket and let's talk intimacy. Hey, hey, hey. Continuing the conversations on relationships and the real deal about them, the behind the scenes kind of stuff, but this one is special. One thing that has particularly frustrated me about, um, I don't even want to just say the church in general, I, I think it's pretty fair to broaden it to the world stage, but when it comes to relationships, it's usually just women that you see talking about um, or caring about even actually investing and using tools and having emotional intelligence openness hey 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 hold on i want to be clear i'm painting with a broad stroke right now i know that not all men are like that which is why i wanted to shed light on it because while there are several men many men thousands of men who care about their relationships and their marriages and want to make them better they don't always get the stage. So not only are women not seeing examples of men like that, but also guys aren't seeing other dudes just like them who are out here doing it. So that is why I chose this special guest to give his unique perspective into, um, well, he talks about a lot of things. He talks about the way that we approach relationships. He talks about, you know, just keeping it real with conflict resolution with our partner, all that good stuff. And just know that, and he says this in there too, anything that he says, take it or leave it. This is simply one person's perspective. I thought it would be a valuable perspective to share because I really enjoy the content he shares on his podcast. I'm like saying this like it's a <laughs> surprise guest, kind of is. So without further ado, let's dive into this episode. All right, today we have a special episode. We are here with Manuel Reyes. Um, I'd love for you to kind of introduce yourself and how you want to be known. Uh, you did good, Manuel, Manuel <laughs> Reyes. I'm a, I am a person, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. male. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, podcaster, music, real estate, all that stuff. I hate intros. When people make me... I know. As for my bio, I literally on purpose write the worst stuff. Like, I hate it because I don't like talking about myself like that. But I do do some stuff. If you like podcasting on deconstruction or music, I do all those things. Yes, you have a podcast, Nights at the Roundtable. Yeah. Um, And it's four of you officially are hosts together, right? Four. It was four. Now it's three. Okay. So was on the first two seasons or three seasons. And she broke out and now it's just me, my wife, Angela Johnson, and then my boy, Brandon Smith. Nice. Okay. So anyone listening, watching, if you have not checked that out yet, you definitely need to go over there and subscribe. Oh my God. Yeah, you should. It's so much fun. Especially if you're somebody with questions about the faith or about sex or about anything. Like we tackle every topic without pulling punches and when I say we don't pull punches I don't mean like a typical Christian would say because I find it that most Christians be like I'm, I'm gonna get raw and real and they do not get raw and real and I'm not trying to diss I'm just saying like it's really hard to get raw and real when you depend on your Christian fan base to 
feed you. Yes. And that's one thing that I've always been really, uh, I don't know if skeptical is the word of like the polishing that can come along with like, as soon as you have a Christian or spiritual title, it's almost like you have to, there are certain rules of what Christians are or are not allowed to say. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. But it's really, man, I learned that when I was in the Christian industry, I was there for like 13, 14 years Mm. and how much I got, um, polished you would say and I don't hate the label for it because they taught me how to at least appeal to another fan base but it definitely was yo you can't be raw you can't be a certain amount of raw like I had this song about suicide I had a song about masturbation I had a song about like these hardcore topics nice wasn't allowed to put them out really yeah because the Christian bookstores wouldn't carry my record the radio shows heck wouldn't play it and and I'm and, like, but these are like real topics that people need to like hear about. And no, just didn't, they didn't want it. That's wild to me because the exact reason that someone would need to even consider Christ as an option are all of the real things. It's the, I mean, it's, but it's really, really difficult to hear. You'll never hear it preached, you know, like yeah, most people live their Christianity through a, through a preacher or through mm. a set of values that that is more of a tribal thing, not a personal thing. So if everyone else considers something obscene or or, or bad, then they're just going to fall in line with that. Very mm. few walk a personal path. And again, I'm not trying to be overjudgmental. I'm just saying like I was in it. Now, I, I was in the Christian industry for 14 years. And before that, I went to Bible college. And so I've seen firsthand, I've, I'm not like, talking to put a, a blanket over everything but i've i've been to every state multiple times yeah. multiple countries and done shows in churches throughout the entire globe and there very much is this stifling of what you can and cannot say because of the the global tribe feel like this is obscene or this is not you can't talk about this or you can't talk about that and it, and if you're counting on the mass christian audience to support you Mm. basically pay you you can't you have to toe the line you can't really just come out and say what you need to which is why after I got out of the industry I told everybody though if you're going into the Christian industry find a way to make money outside of the Christian industry Mm. because if you're counting on the Christian industry to do it then you're going to be a slave to all of those fans and yeah you don't want that the second they you're not Christian enough then they're gone so many thoughts on that. I had it happen to my friends before and they had to like take down songs, take down records, re-upload new songs that are super, super Christian, quote unquote, super, super Christian. Mm -hmm. Buzzwords. And they like, it wasn't them. Yeah. It was was a version of them to appease the audience. And I'm like, oh my God, Jesus, this, there's no way this is what you had in mind for us. No way. Mm -hmm. Um, just for the people who don't know you yet, like your origin story, your, <laughs> your love story, like synopsis. <laughs> yeah, I hope people are still listening and they didn't get triggered and mad. <laughs> <laughs> Probably did. That's okay. Oh man. I hope not. If you're still listening, I'm sorry. I do not think I'm right in everything at all. You can totally tell me I'm wrong. I don't care. Uh, my origin story uh, used to be a little criminal. Uh, my, I was born and raised in Germany. My dad was in the military. When he uh, retired, we retired in Florida. 
we didn't have a lot of money. So I turned to a life of crime, started robbing people, carrying guns. I was a horrible person to my senior year of high school where I found God at a church camp, had a crazy radical uh, experience, uh, saw Jesus at my church camp, totally turned me around. After I graduated, went to Bible college, started a band, graduated, got signed, traveled the world for 10 years, met my wife, Angela Johnson, at my homeboys. Actually, I didn't even talk to her at my boy's wedding. I kind of met her at my, my best friend's wedding and uh, didn't really notice her. And then two years later, my best friend's wife said, I want to hook you up with somebody. And nice. it was Angela. So she sent me her Facebook and her one hour special and some of the stuff she's done. And I was like, all right, I'll meet her. And so I flew from, we did a Skype date. Like it was a blind Skype date. And then, um, which was really weird because she was just walking back and forth on the screen. not paying what? <laughs> She was on tour. I was on tour. It was really funny. And I was like, well, you want me to like, let's meet up. Let's do a lunch. Let's do a day date. And if you like me, we'll go and do a night date the next day because I had three days off on my tour. I was in South Carolina. I flew from South Carolina all the way to L.A. for two days. That's cute. (laughs) Then we did a night date. And at first it was very like I could tell I was paying for somebody else's mistakes because she was so cold. I was like, ah, she's making me pay. Somebody before me did her dirty and now I'm paying for this because she was super cold. And I was like, Jesus, if this girl keeps being this way, I'm going to fake a stomachache and bounce. <laughs> I have zero time for this. Like, I, um, I will leave. And it was like within that five minutes, like right before the five minutes was up, she like gave me like a snuggle. Like she like oh. leaned into me, gave me like a side church hug, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, I'll stick around. And then that was it. That mm. was uh, August. I came back in October, made it official. We were engaged by December and then married by June. Nice. Nine months. And we celebrated 10 years. Congratulations. I think I saw that on y'all's Insta. It's crazy. 10 years, a whole decade. You're in the decades club. I can't believe it. It's gone by (laughs) so fast. So grateful though. So grateful because it's, I'm like, knock on wood. It's been like, I only remember good times, man. Mm. We've never had anything. We've had a couple of crazy things. My super religious self at the beginning, which I do uh-huh. not know that person. I'm so glad I changed. And then her deconstruction period started before mine. Nice. That was difficult because I was out touring the world, telling people about yeah. Jesus from the Bible. And my wife's like, oh, I don't know about this Bible. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh wow. So it was a good year where I was like in a free fall of like, oh my God, I didn't marry this person. So, but it wasn't like horrible. It was just more so me having to acknowledge that I'm not always right. I can't look at people and talk to her like, I know. Yeah. So prideful. I hated it. If I, and, and right now, if you're listening and if I talk with any sense of certainty, it's not because I think I'm right. I'm just a passionate person, but I despise saying that I'm right to anything. And in my podcast, I always tell people, check with me in a week, check with me in a month, because I may change what I believe based on whatever life deals me and God shows me. Yeah. 
but before I wanted to be right. And I think that was more the rub in our relationship, not necessarily that she was deconstructing. It was more so I just wanted to be right. Yeah. Mm. So then in that regard, which for those of y'all listening, if you know the Enneagram, Manny, I think you're an eight, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, obviously it's not going to say like, this is who you are as a person, but it does like give a lens to how you. It It helps so much. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you learn about love and what uh, opinions or thoughts changed about what love is from before you got married to now? Mm. I think the biggest thing that changed, because I was always a romantic, I was always a server. Like I always Mm. wanted to serve whoever I was with. The biggest thing that changed was the weight of accountability. And I felt that the second I got married. Hmm. Like whether she's with me or not, I am accountable to this person for all my thoughts, for everything that I do. Doesn't matter if she's around, doesn't matter if she knows. I'm fully accountable. And whatever I do is going to affect her, no matter what it is. Whether I say something dumb online, whether I do something dumb when no one's looking, it was that accountability. It was the one major thing that, that I, that I knew was like, oh my God, this is different. I didn't see this coming. Hmm. And I thought it was beautiful because to me, it felt like she was in the best way possible, like a human form of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Like I have the Holy Spirit, but he doesn't like show himself in human form. Right. My wife is very much and like an equivalent of a loving Holy Spirit, meaning like she checks me when I'm doing something silly. She always has the best intention. She's always looking out for how, how, what I'm doing and how it makes me look. Like she always has good intent towards me. Wow. And for me, that's the spirit of God. Like I'm, I'm correcting you. I'm chastising you. I'm, I'm guiding you because I have the best intent for you. So that was a really beautiful thing once we got married that I, I recognize. And because of that, which most guys will probably think I lost my conads because of it. <laughs> I submit to my wife yeah. in the best way possible. Yeah. So I don't think, like I understand the idea of the head of the household, but I submit to her with everything that I do because I said this on my, my TikTok. I was like, I believe instead of this, you know, we used to say, you know, this relationship needs to be 50, 50. And I'm like, to me, it needs to be a hundred, a hundred. I need to go all the way to show you what all the way looks like. 50, 50 just means there's going to be half of my life that I'm not really going to work on. And I'm going to expect you to fix or make up for. Yeah. And I use the examples, uh, my, like my parents, my dad wasn't good with money. So what did he do? Oh, my, my mom handles the money. Mm. And I'm like, nah, bruh, get better with money. Like, don't have one person good with money and one person bad with money because the one person good with money just has to keep fixing the one person bad with money. You did what? You spent what? Dang it. Now I got to do this and rearrange this so we can get out of debt. Like, do better with money. Don't just pass off the responsibility. Or when people have a hot temper, I have a hot temper, but she's she's gentle or he's gentle he brings me down and I'm like oh well no don't do that 
figure out where the rage is coming from. Do some counseling, figure out why you're popping off because two healthy people that aren't angry and full of rage is gonna last longer than one that is rageful and then one that is super forgiving. Because what happens is the person who's super forgiving is gonna have to at some point turn off the importance and weight of who you are and what you say hmm. in order to exist within this relationship. Meaning if you always come off at the mouth, if you always are spiteful, if you say things out of anger, I have two things that I can do as the receiver of that. I'm either gonna take you serious, which is probably the worst thing to do when somebody's in a fit of rage. Very true. Or I'm gonna have to hold your weight of words with absolute no meaning. She's just angry. She doesn't mean anything that she's saying. Now, the problem with that is then they start taking your words with less weight. So even when you say something good, I'm used to keeping you at the place where I'm like, eh, I don't know if she means it because tomorrow she can just pop off and cuss at me and say this stuff and be like back to the old her or the old him. Yeah, I can't really take those words as for real. So that's the two edged sword. And that's what happens when you when you approach a relationship 50 50. Yeah, dang. I mean, my God, so I hope people, people waited to hear that. I hope if <laughs> now we're gonna make sure they hear it. <laughs> this is the promo because I, I feel like people need to hear that because yo, I it's something that's so important. Like you need to understand that it's it's I'm sorry, I just tooted my own home. Forgive me. I'm no. so <laughs> I also think that you worked for this though. So like, obviously having listened to you talk on your podcast, you were not always this person. And so then the question is, um, how does a, how does someone choose well and yeah. recognize the things that allow them to say the kind of things you just said about your wife? Um, well, I'll ask the B part later, go for that one first. Well, the most important thing, if you're listening, the most important thing is if you can't take self-responsibility for your part in everything, then you're, it's never going to progress to maturity. You, hmm. just, you just won't. You're always going to think that the things you do, and this is something that Angela always had a problem with. She would always say, no one gets me mad like you. No one gets me mad like you. And I'm like, the first thing I learned in psychology was no one can get you mad. Hmm. That is a choice that you make. You fully make the decision to let someone anger you. Hmm. They can't actually anger you. They can't force you to be mad. They can say all the things in the world, but it's, it's you that decides to let those words mean something and then emote a reaction. Mm -hmm. So with Ange in our in beginning of our relationship, she's very used to going zero to 60 and it's usually anger. It's usually rage. And it's something that she's dealt with in her family. And I would never respond in kind. Mm. I would never go back with rage. I would never go back with anger. I would look at her in her face the most stern way. And I would say, why did you say what you just said? Did you mean it because you love me and you want to see better for me? Or did you just say it because you're angry and you wanted to hurt me? Hmm. Think about that. And I would walk away. Because I trust and know that once the anger goes down, she's going to think about what she says. And she's going to be like, damn, I did not need to say that. And he didn't, he didn't say anything back to me. He didn't scream at me. He didn't give me the same energy. 
So it's not like I can use that as ammunition to feed myself because what happens when when you allow yourself to be sucked into the anger and the argument, now that other person has ammunition to justify why they blew up. So if they're like, uh, nah, 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 F you, you're such a, and you're like, well, F you, bitch. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And they're going to be like, you see how he talks to me? That's yep. why I'm mad. Mm-hmm. But if they're like, ah, oh, you're such an asshole. And you're like, okay. I'm going to come back. Think about what you just said. Think about what you called me. Ask the Lord if that was appropriate. <laughs> if you're a believer or if you're not a believer, just be like, ask yourself if that was appropriate, if I deserve that. Mm. If I disrespect you in this way. If, if I And this is something I always ask my wife. Queen, do I so disrespect into your life to deserve disrespect back? Mm. If I do, let me know so that I can change. Because I'm more than willing to take responsibility if I'm sowing negativity and discord and anger into your life, because then I deserve it back. I'm just reaping what I sow. Yeah. But do I sow anger, negativity? Do I talk to you this way? Do I disrespect you this way? And she always has to come to the realization, no, you don't. Then I'm like, so then why do I get it back? You have to like find out where that's coming from. Because if I'm not sowing that into your life, that means it's coming from somewhere else. You're just projecting onto me your hurt and your pain. I'm here for a little bit of that. But at some point, like, we're going to have some problems if you don't address it. Because I don't deserve this. What you're saying, too, is different than I think what a lot of people do. Some people would just shut down and check out, right? And our little psychological term for that is stonewalling. That is just as bad. But what I'm hearing you say is you engage the conversation basically saying, um, take a time out and let's come back to this and talk about it because that wasn't okay. That's when it's real heated. When it's when it's just a disagreement, I usually like to talk it out. My yeah. wife is the one that shuts down. We had a big problem with that in the first half of our marriage. Mm. She would shut down and check out and then she would get upset because she's like, you always repeat yourself. And I'm like, oh, okay. Tell me what I just said about this topic. <laughs> like what I just said a minute ago, tell me yeah. what I just said. And she couldn't repeat it. So I'm like, do you think it's fair that you check out of our conversation that's very important to me? You don't listen. I see you check out, not listening then get mad that I repeat myself because I know you're not listening. Hmm. Like think about what you're doing. Like you're not showing the respect to listen and take in what's important to me. Then you're mad that I repeat it because you're not listening. <laughs> like yeah, it would be this massive problem where I'm just like, but then she would complain to her friends. Yeah, man, he just likes to talk. <laughs> I'm like, you really think I like to talk? Or do you think that I would just love it if you listened? Because if you listened, then I would talk way less. Mm-hmm. That was a problem over there. With me, again, my biggest problem was I expected her to think and be like me. Yeah. So most of our disagreements were more, why are you not like me? Yep. I didn't say it, but I would treat her like that. If she doesn't react to a certain situation like me, if she doesn't know how to do something like me, I would get really annoyed and super low patience. Like, are you serious? You don't know how to do this? 
And it would be really like bad like that. And then I started realizing, oh my God, most of our disagreements from my side, Mm -hmm. when I'm I'm feeling a way towards her is because I'm expecting her to be me. And that's just, that's ego. Cause that's assuming that I'm awesome. Yeah. And you should be like me. You know what I'm saying? As yeah. opposed to being like, you're you. I love it. Let me have patience and accept who you are and, and love that and not project onto you to be me. That's like so narcissistic. It's so bad. We do it all the time. And I mean, it ties into what we were saying earlier about how we treat people in regards to faith, but in relationships, what you're talking about takes such a level of self-awareness to take responsibility and not even take it like, and then turn it into shame. Like, well, now I'm a bad person and well, you shouldn't even be with me, but really just to say, oh shoot, that's me in the mirror. Dang. All right. You know why I think we do that? I think, and here's, this is a way to check your relationship. Hmm. If you're afraid to accept when you're wrong or actually proactively look at yourself and point out before somebody else does. Yep. It's because you don't have the trust in your partner to protect you in your wrongness. Meaning you think he's going to use it against you or she's going to use it against you. That if you admit you're wrong, then now moving forward in every argument and every whatever, they're going to be like, nah, you're just, you're just doing this again. Yeah. Now, you told me you're an eight and you just bulldoze people. That's what you're doing again. As opposed <laughs> to treating every situation differently, now they're going to have ammunition on you. So you don't want to, in this battle of marriage or in this battle of relationship, you don't want to give them any extra bullets. You don't want to give them a tank. Yeah. A- so we don't want to admit that we're wrong. We don't want to actively accept our weaknesses because then if we accept our weaknesses and, and even take it a step further and expose them to the other person, and we think they're going to use it against us. Now, if you're in a healthy relationship and you expose your weakness, you know that your partner is going to help you in that area to get better. Yeah. So now me and Angela have hit a stride where when she gets angry really quick, I'll just be like, mm, you're doing it. Like level up. And then she comes back a lot faster before she'd be gone for three days. Not talk to me. Yeah. Now she comes back in three minutes. I'm sorry. Yeah. And then we move past it and then we keep going and I don't bring it up. Mm. We just keep going. And that's how you can tell like, oh, my relationship is getting healthy. I trust my yes. partner with all my weaknesses and me telling on myself. And I know he's not going to use it against me or I know she's not going to use it against me. The only way they're going to use it for is to help me get stronger in that area and try to understand me in that area. When you have that, then what's the fear of saying I'm wrong? Now that's 10 years of work with a healthy partner. I know somebody just heard you say that. And they're like, um, no, my partner has used it against me multiple times. I have a right to feel that way. What you got to say yeah. to them? Yeah. I, you can you can die on that sword, but you won't get anything better. Hmm. You can think you're right all day long. And you can think they're wrong all day long. But if you don't, if you don't show them what it looks like, to be what it is that you want, nothing's going to get better. You're just going to keep trading tit for tat. You're going to keep saying it's his fault, that he's going to keep saying it's your fault. You're never going to do 
you're never going to, you're going to, you're going to get stunted as far as your maturity in your relationship. And then you're just going to exist. It's not about mm. thriving at that point. It's just about holding on to your right. And if that's the kind of marriage or relationship you want, you just want to be right, then hold on to it. But if you want to be righteous or in right standing with each other, bruh, be the first to say you're wrong. Beat them to the punch. And it doesn't matter if they accept that they're wrong or not. It doesn't matter because at this point, it's about improving the quality of who you are as a human being. Yes. It doesn't matter if who you chose to be with is going to stay stunted at a 13-year-old maturity level. Do you want to stay there with them? Hmm. Elevate yourself because it's going to permeate throughout your entire life and everything that you do, how you raise your kids. Like They're going to eventually see, oh, this is the healthy parent. This is not the healthy parent. We've all done it in our own life. When we look at our parents, we're like, damn, yep. mom is like this. Dad is like this. Like with my parents, I'm like, man, my mom has a really hard time for forgiveness. I've never heard her say she's wrong. Hmm. Ever. I've never heard her apologize in my life. Then I'm seeing my dad get it. And now he's way softer. He's way more kind. He's not the dude that he was before. And I'm like, damn, and this thing, like my dad is progressing. My mom is sometimes staying the same. She's at a slower pace. So it's like you decide who you want to be in your relationship. If you just want to be right, then keep holding on to your arguments. Keep telling your friends, oh, he's this or she's this. And cool, you'll be right, but you'll also be alone. Mm. Even within the relationship, you'll be alone. You'll be in your own island with a bunch of flags saying, I'm right at this, I'm right at this, as opposed to being like, well, what am I wrong at? In my rightness, how am I handling it? Am I handling my rightness wrong? Because it's like what I used to do when I used to witness to people. I used to witness to people telling them the good news of Jesus, which is right. But I didn't do it because I loved them. I did it yeah. because I had this idea of I can out-argue anyone. So if they try to come at me with how Jesus is not the way, oh, man, I'm going to smoke them. And I would get in arguments with Je Jehovah's Witness and Mormons and other religions. And I'm just fighting to win the name of Jesus. Woo, look at me. Zero care for their soul. I didn't care about their life. I didn't care about their struggles. Nothing. I just wanted to tell them about my propaganda. Yeah. They could have told me, man, I'm thinking suicide. I'll just be like, who cares about their emotions? I'm just like, but Jesus is the way. Yep. Mm-hmm. They'll take you away from that suicide as opposed to saying, oh, my God, bro, I'm so sorry. Like, what do you think it is that's bringing you to that place? Is there anything that I can do to help you get out of that place? Yeah. It's a whole different thing about wanting right living as opposed to just being right. So within relationships, if you can master that, it does take an amount of self-awareness because in the face of somebody presumably hurting you, you're not trying to dissect them. You're dissecting yourself and being like, well, what did I add to this situation that caused this? Because it's never just one way. Never. Mm -hmm. In a relationship, both people always play a part in something and there's something that you can do. Even if you find yourself at a place where I didn't do anything to deserve this, then the one thing that you did do was choose that partner. Who come through. So it's like uh, you, may, you may be super right and upstanding and all that stuff, but something about you chose to have this person in your life. So now you have to deal with the ramifications of it. Don't blame them. You can't blame them. You chose them. Mm. 
it's like what I used to get mad when people were in my life and they were like mooching or they didn't work as hard as I did in certain business ventures or they weren't on my same page. And I go back to the place where I chose them. And I was like, I didn't choose them based on godly or smart things. If I would have chose them based on godly or smart things, I would have chose somebody else. But I chose them because of this. Mm -hmm. It was very business wise or very vain or very whatever. And so I can't be surprised when the relationship ends because of business or because of vanity, <laughs> which is what happens. I began a thing with business and vanity. It ended in business and vanity. Mm -hmm. Somewhere between the, the two, I was expecting, oh, my love for them Oops. is going to transform them into Sorry. love back. But it's like, nah, brah, people won't change because you want them to. They're going to change at their pace. So you have to be okay with what you chose. And I used to blame the people, but then I'm like, God was like, no, bro, you chose those people. You can't get mad at them. It's you. <laughs> so now when I choose to get in business with people now, it's completely different. Mm. Now it's different. I look for a spirit that's like mine. I look for a work ethic that's like mine. I look for a person that thinks like I think, and now all my business relationships, smooth sailing. Nice. Well, you have something that you said once or not more than once that you can tell within the first week or so, or however much time, <laughs> what's going to basically end a relationship with that same person. Oh yeah. I believe within two weeks to a month, you'll know what's going to end your relationship. hundred percent. Yeah, I do. If, if you're an honest individual to yourself hmm. and the sad part is most of us only get honest after the breakup. Yeah. Before the breakup we're padding, we're padding his stock or her stock. We tell our friends some stuff, the stuff that's going to make the dude or the girl that we like look and sound good. Look, you're not going <laughs> to tell them like the stuff that you saw red flag, red flag, red flag. You're not going to say that that's going to stay hidden away. And in your mind, you're going to be like, oh, but that'll change. I can love that out of them. I can, I can get that out of them, but I see it. I'm just not going to say it out loud for me. Every single time, every relationship I got into, I was like, oh, this is going to end because of this. I'll see it in the first week. Any real conversation I have with them in the first week, I'll be like, oh, she's insecure. It's going to end because of this. I'm a very secure person and she is very insecure. This will end because of her insecurity. Or, oh, this person can't make, like she doesn't do what she says. She's a talker, not a doer. We will end because of this. Mm. Everything else is going to be great, but these are like core values that I look in for, for people. I don't like talkers. I only like doers. I cannot be around insecure people because I am extremely secure and me around insecure people is just projection heaven. They will call me conceited. They will call me, oh, he's arrogant. He's this, he's that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I used to let people manipulate me into thinking I was that. Now I'm like, no, no, no. I just think I'm the shit. Like, I really do think I'm that because my trust and hope is on this God that created me and I'm letting him mold me. And every day I just get better, 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 better because I'm okay with being wrong, 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 wrong. Yeah, God, yeah, make yeah. me better. Wife, make me better. Friends, make me better. Tell me where I suck. 
And if I'm getting better, if I'm working on all these people telling me you're bad at this, you're bad at this, you're bad at this. And I'm just like, my stock is going up. Yeah. Not because I think I'm better, but because these people are making me better. Iron is sharpening iron. Yes. Tell me so about if that. Willing, if you're willing to let these people do that, then you'll be willing, you'll, you'll avoid so many mistakes. So I get into relationships and I'm like, I'll tell on them real quick to all my accountability. I'll be like, no, this is the red flag I see. I haven't determined how deep, how deep it is. Yeah. Because some people can be insecure about dumb things. Yeah. And it could be, it could be silly. And you're like, oh, that's just a silly insecurity. It's not like an actual deep down insecurity. They're just being silly. And then some people are like legitimately insecure. And that energy doesn't go well with my energy at all. With that iron sharpens iron thing. Um, so one, I will call it an orange flag that is worth looking out for and with dating relationships is when someone says they don't have friends or um, they don't have anyone around them at all. It's basically just them kind of going rogue because when stuff comes up where we can't look at ourselves, if they don't have someone to be able to say, I know you, I know your heart, I know where you're headed and this isn't it. They're just going to make a decision that ends them up in a horrible place. So for you, how did you choose the people in your community or how important is that to you? I just had people that have been lifers. These are dudes that we went through the fire with. And, yeah. I, and I noticed it immediately that they were going to be lifers. And then I just did the work to keep them in my life. And, and that work was me fixing me. So with my boy, Nick, when I was touring and I was doing all this stuff and he's a stay at home dad, yeah. one big thing, which is small to certain people, but then it showed a bigger part of my character. So one big thing with him was, Every time we would get off the phone, I'd be like, yo, I'll call you right back. And I would never call him back. Uh, and it's something so dumb. Like we say it all the time, I'll call you right back. And then when you get busy and you don't call back. But when I told him that, Nick would set aside time. Mind you, he has kids, he has a wife. And he's like, Hody's going to call me back. So I need to make sure I'm available. And then I wouldn't call back. So he would set aside time from his family to be ready to receive my call. And wow. then I would call. So he called me out on it and was like, bro, do you think your time is more important? Because when you tell me you're going to call me, like, I get it. You're out traveling the world. You're this kind of famous person. And, but my time is as valuable as your time, just because I'm here. doesn't make it any less valuable. And I was like, <laughs> that'll get you. And now he's like, bro, stop calling me back. I'm not <laughs> your, not your girlfriend. Like you don't have to freaking check in on me. Cause then I went the other way and I'm like, Oh no, I, I need to fix that. That is, that is, I do think my time is more important. I don't, I didn't really think about him in yeah. that way. Well, my boy, Josh, he would always tell me, he's like, bro, sometimes you come off a certain type of way. Yeah. And he'd be like, sometimes you sound like this. Sometimes you don't acknowledge like you've had, like you've been successful and have money for a certain while that you forgot what it's like to not have money. So when you flippantly say stuff, to people who don't know you, it could come off as arrogant. Yeah. So if I'm in a writing session and I'm like, man, I don't really do this for the money. I do this because I want to have fun. Now, that does not sound like a cocky statement. But to someone who doesn't have money, they're hearing, oh, so I'm doing this because I need the money. Mm -hmm. You're saying you're doing it just for fun. Mm -hmm. I get it. You got money. But some of us don't. So it yeah. comes completely different. 
So now he's like, and that's how you communicate with me sometimes. So then I had to fix that. And that was really hard because it's never my intention to come off that way, but that's how I'm coming off. So I had to put in work with all my close circle to be like, this is where you're wrong. And this is where you affect us in a negative way. Mm. And then, so in order to have people like that in your life, these are the people that can see past your BS. So if you're somebody who doesn't, or you're the aforementioned person who does, who only gives people highlights, like if you do have a circle and you only give them highlights of who you're dating, or you, maybe you don't even say anything. Yeah. That's like a clear sign that who you're dating is not the one. Oops. <laughs> it is a clear sign when you're padding their stats or you're not saying everything and you know who you are. Look, I mentor, I don't want to say mentor. I counsel women all the time. I do one-on-one coaching and, and um, I counsel women all the time, particularly in dating and relationships. Mm-hmm. I have zero empathy or patience for women who BS themselves. <laughs> I want to say bullshit. I don't know how your audience. No, is. you do you. <laughs> um, bullshit themselves they completely and utterly bullshit themselves they don't tell me about the guy or they'll tell me about him too late or they'll tell me only this and i can hear it i'm like you are fronting so hard you're not being close to honest wow you're not and this is gonna bite you in the butt because the guy isn't everything you say he is he's just not and you're hoping that he will be this will not end well but we can go along. I'll play this game with you. I'll listen. <laughs> I'll do whatever. But just so you know, you are 1000% a bullshitter. Mm-hmm. And of course it ends. And then they tell me all the things that he did wrong. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me this during the relationship? Like, why weren't you telling me this as it's going on? Oh, because I didn't want, I didn't want you to have a certain view of them or I didn't want you to whatever. And I'm like, no, you knew he sucked. And for whatever reason, you wanted to stay in it because you didn't want to be lonely. You didn't want to have to start over. You want to try to make it work. You're too insecure and thinking that you won't find somebody else. All of these reasons are why you didn't tell me. Don't say because you didn't want me to look at him bad. He is bad. (laughs) I should look at him that way. He's not honoring you nor treating you with the value that I think you should be treated. So Hmm. he's exactly who you don't want me to think he is. Hmm. Think about that. You're using your life, your value, your time that you cannot get back to cover for somebody who's not even awesome. And that blows my mind as opposed to just coming to your accountability or your close circle and being like, y'all, these are the red flags. Am I off or am I not? Because yeah. this is all the things I see. And they'll tell you, yo, that kind of person isn't good with you because you're this, this, and this. If he's this, this, and this, that's not going to work, man. They'll let you know. It's an objective it's an objective point of view. And that's just kind of how I do my whole life. I have three people that I get yeses from before I do anything. Mm. I'm out of my feelings so that I'm completely out of decision-making, especially if it's important. I have to have three people. So with my wife, I have my best friends met him. My parents met him. Everybody who was important to me met my wife. And they all just loved her. They just loved her from jump. My mom was the biggest test. Because she was right about every single girl that I dated. She she liked them, but she knew that they weren't the one. And I used to hate her for that. (laughs) Yeah, mom, you're right. So when I had Angela, I brought her straight to my mom. Mm. Like, mom, you tell me what's up. And my mom 
and dad loved her from the beginning sometimes i swear to you love her more than me like (laughs) they just loved her and i knew i was like oh i got a I think I got a good one. Yeah. And I think you're, you're picking up on something too. There's a different, mm. so cancel culture is a thing right now. Yeah. We're on the opposite end. Someone will be like, ah, oh, like they smack their food when they're eating or he yelled at me um, when we were driving or whatever. It's got to be done. That means he's this, this, and that. Oh, That's yeah. not necessarily the case. Cause you just told us Angela's a human. <laughs> so how do you see the difference? People who think that way, are 1000% in their ego. Mm-hmm. Because what they're assuming is that their shit don't stink. Oops, there you go. That's what they're doing. They're they're putting themselves in the And look, I don't want to speak I don't want to speak negatively negatively over someone. I love confidence. If you're not confident about yourself, you freaking need to be confident. You need <laughs> to think you are the shiz nuggets. You just need to because that confidence needs to emote from you. Yeah. Here's the problem. And this Paul warns against this. Yes. When you think of yourself too highly. So I'd be watching women online, which I think is so toxic. Like all these, you know, it's it's just so rampant in our culture. Women who oh, I need a six figure guy. I need a I need a six figure. I need a, a top tier guy. I need somebody who's going to take care of me. He needs to make money. He needs to make money. He needs to make money. And then you think about who you are. And what a top tier guy gets. So statistically, there's under 10% of top tier guys, meaning guys earning six figures. Guys earning high six figures is even less than 5%. Mm. Now you're talking about if you want a top tier guy, you're competing against actual top tier women. I'm going to get a little vain for a second because this is humanity. So you're competing against eights, nines, tens, Women's who are snatched, bodies are crazy, like fashion on point, mind on point, like you're competing against the best of the best. You may be not an eight, nine, 10. Like if you're honest with yourself, you may be someone who has two kids, not married, came from a previous relationship. I, I love you. I have friends that are like that. I think they're amazing. But a top tier dude, if he has to pick out of everyone, you got to ask yourself, does he want somebody else's baggage or does he want to create his own? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So you have to like put yourself in a realistic position to where it's like, and I'm not saying kids are negative. I'm saying if you were to be objective and look at your life and be like, damn, I got kids with this person. And this person I don't even like, which is why I'm not with him, but this person exists within the situation. And whoever I get with now has to deal with this person as well. That is something that somebody has to account for if I'm stepping into that situation. So that automatically puts you in a different level, right? I think, yeah, the mindset itself is the problem too. Because if you go in with that mindset of these are the qualifications someone has to have, it puts you in this, whatever I'm gonna call it, universe, just because I like... Marvel and that's what we're doing right now. But anyway, <laughs> it puts you in this universe where it's all about stats, all about body size. It's all about that. You yeah. can live over there for sure. Just know that everything else is going to be in the context of those. Yeah. Um, Thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying yeah. that. So everything I'm saying is if you choose to live in that system, this yeah. is not a system that I prescribe to. Right, right, right. I hate this system. Yeah. I despise it because I think there's a 
myriad of amazing men that do not make six figures nope. that are teachers that are plumbers that are electrician and they're so dope and they'll be so down for you but they drive a prius they make 40 grand a year and you'll have to live in a no bedroom apartment yep but they'll love the hell out of you yep. and they'll freaking but that's not a culture that we're in right now no. and i if you're on social media, you see it. You see, it's so rampant. Women who make a lot of money and they're like, I can't get with a dude who doesn't make mo as much money as I do. What is he adding or what is he bringing? And I'm like, what? Yeah. What? If Angela thought that way, we would not be married. The year that we met, I made $35,000 that year. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hey, babe, I made 35 grand this year. This is why. I don't chase money. I only chase purpose. Anyone who spends any time with me sees that. It's not like a thing that broke people say. It's just I chase Jesus and the next door that he's opening. If money comes with that door, awesome. If it doesn't, I don't care because I need to live a life of purpose. So if you're not okay with your man making $35,000 a year, then we don't need to be together. And I was so dead honest. And yeah. she was just like, why? I don't need your money. I make money. <laughs> Very nice. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> And I was like, cool, but guess what happened? I came to the marriage with six figures in the bank. Yeah. I had a crap ton of money. I didn't make a lot of money, but I know how to use money. Mm -hmm. So she got with me. And then what did I do? I tripled our net worth. Yeah. So she made all the money and then I put it to use. Cause she doesn't, she just makes money. Like she doesn't do anything with it. <laughs> So I'm like, oh, we got all this money. Here's what we're going to do. Boom, 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 boom. Triple the net worth. So it's like, if she would have thought the way some of these women think, then it's like, oh man, she would have never gave me the time of day. She would have just, oh, he's a broke musician, just living out of a suitcase, still living with his moms, you know? Yeah. Oh my God, that one. Look. <laughs> I live with my mom because I wanted to get out of debt. So no. I I was going with you on that because that's what I'm saying is so many people and there's a cultural thing in there too. Um, I think in if you look in at like Latin cultures or things like that, it's more common that you'll see adults living with parents. But when people just hyper focus on these like surface level things without looking at, okay, why is he living with his mom? He's trying to get out of debt. Great. He's good with money or something like that. You end up uh, creating a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. You're alone. Can you look at character? Can you look at how someone manages conflict more so than stature? Like obviously be attracted, but you know, if you're like, oh man, they're not wearing the right kind of outfit. But here's why. Here's why they think that way. Ugh. <laughs> why I think they think that way. I'm sorry. I didn't want to make an absolute statement. Here's yeah. why they think that way. Because they have not done the self-work in themselves to be able to find that in someone else. And here's what I mean by that. When the Bible talks about deep calls out to deep, like there's mm. a, there's a depth in you that if you do work enough self-work, then you can see the real qualities in you that make you valuable. So then that allows you to be able to see it in someone else. Yeah. If you don't do the work, how in the world can you see it in somebody else? So it's the same way. Let's take it down in real superficial level. Yeah. If you have not become a millionaire, then you're not going to be able to understand who has the potential to become a millionaire. Why? Because you don't know what it takes to become a millionaire. That's fair. If you're a marathon runner, you can see somebody's work ethic on the treadmill and be like, that guy will never be a marathon runner. Why? Because I see him at the lowest setting 
every day come in here. He's never pushing himself. That hmm. guy over there, he started off at a five. Now he's running at an eight. Every I've seen him come in every day and he just keeps elevating, elevating, elevating. He's going faster, faster, faster. He has the ability to become a mayor. Why? Because he knows this is what I had to do to become a marathon winner. I had to grab, I had to do this, level up, level up, level up, level up. This is the mentality. I see his frame, so I know he's eating right. You can you can do all this psychoanalogy because you have walked those steps, so you know what it looks like. So in order for you to be able to determine whether or not somebody has potential, you yourself have to reach your own potential. If you know, in order for you to know a bullshitter, you need to not be a bullshitter because then you can spot it. You can <laughs> be like, oh, they're doing all the things I used to do. Damn, if only you were a bullshitter, we'd be good. But you you don't you do what you just yeah. said. I'm on the superficial things. Why? Because you are superficial in your own life. You actually think your success is based on money. If you're making a certain amount of money, then you're successful. Yeah. When mature people know money doesn't make you feel successful to the world, it makes you look successful, but it doesn't, it doesn't bring happiness. It brings a level of happiness. And that level is superficial. Okay, I don't have to worry about food. I don't have to worry about my car yeah, payment. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have to worry about any of these things. Cool. When I'm done not worrying about this, do I have a fulfilling life? Do I have good relationships? Mm. Am I in this 10,000 square foot house alone? Is the person with me with me because all they do is go buy a new bag every day? Am I okay with this life? Cool. I don't have to worry about this. But then I got to worry about all this other stuff. Yeah. Why are these people with me? Why are they like... If you're just looking at the superficial, then your relationship will stay superficial because you don't know what deep looks like. Yes, we have a psychological term for that. Um, it's called differentiation. So essentially, if I'm like boil it down, it is saying exactly what you're saying. You are going to attract someone at a similar level of um, internal development as you are. And so that's why you have people who, um, the people they date, how did you know that we had similar traumas? We didn't yeah. even talk about it, but somehow it's like we smell it in each other or um, I'm gonna bring up alcoholism, just like tap on it. Some people will say, well, I'm not an alcoholic, but why have the past five people I've dated been? And that's a different dynamic too, of like the enabling that can come with that. Or maybe you had a personal history with it. You don't do your work on it. It's what you're saying. Mm -hmm. You can't really break out of it. It's impossible. You're going to stay at that level and bring someone who's also at that level. Well, yeah, because we there's power in numbers and we feel comfortable with the same tribe. Right? Feels familiar. There's no unsuccessful people just wanting to hang out with really successful people. Hmm. Hang out with other unsuccessful people and talk about successful people. If you're a hater, you're not going to hang out with somebody positive. You're hmm. just not there. Their energy is not your energy. You're not going to feel good around them. You're going to feel shitty. Yeah, yeah. You're going to hear your negativity and they're going to be like, oh, I just, no, man, I just love, I love life. When is the last time you saw somebody who's like, man, I love life. Look at the sky. Look at the grass. Hang out with somebody who's like, oh, my God, it's so hot. Oh, my God, it's so cold. Oh, my God, can you believe this dummy? He's like, da, 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 da. those people don't hang out together. Yeah. They don't because misery loves company. There's a reason why that statement, that that mantra exists, because what it's saying is my misery notices the misery in you. Mm. We have something in common on a level that we can both share. And that's misery. Until one of us no longer wants to be miserable. 
And that's when we come into people that say, oh, you've changed. You've changed. Oh, I hope I have. <laughs> like, if I'm not changing, then that means I'm not growing and maturing. So yeah. I should change. So should you. But it'll be at that moment when your traumas no longer interact or coincide with each other that you lose relationships because now we don't have anything to talk about. We don't have anybody. We don't have anything to share because usually we're sharing the negative. And then the successful people are sharing the positive. Yeah. So I got a group of friends where we're all making real estate moves. And my boy, Josh, just, you know, dumped this much money into a 10% yielding fee. I'm like, cool. That's a safe way of doing it. Manny, I'm doing flips. So cool. In five weeks, I'm about to make $250,000, but you're going this way. So I'm in it for, you know, this much, I'm making 30% of my investment. He's making 10, both are positive. Both are good. Both are not wrong, but we're going different rates. Then my boy, Ricky is doing rental income. So he's doing passive the same way as Josh, but we're all in real estate. We're all passing secrets. We're all like, how are you doing it? What's next? What do you, how'd you do? How'd you do? All of us on an elevated mind state. That's good. All of us used to be poor. Mm -hmm. None of us are poor no more, but mm -hmm. we all had the same mentality of we got to get better. We got to get better. We got to get better. That's why our relationship Pat, is lasting two decades. Mm, yeah. Because our mind state was always got to get better. Got to get better. Got to get better. We got to get better. And, and everyone else who's negative. I don't talk to them no more. There's no need to really. The people that even relationally, um, if you look around and all of your closest friends, their relationships are falling apart. All they want to do is complain about their partner or even um, you got a friend who's single and they keep on cheating on partners or they keep on you know, ending relationships for dumb reasons. Mm -hmm. Why, why are you entwining your energy that closely? And it's going to set your mindset up. Um, a lot of the times in therapy, well, thank God for therapy because we get to create yeah. and simulate something someone hasn't experienced yet where they're like, you know what? I grew up, my mom, my grandma, my great grandma, all of their marriages were horrible or blah, blah, blah. All my closest friends are like that. I have no examples of what it looks like to do conflict resolution, to choose someone who's going to treat me well versus like, oh, you know. Cheating, that's, that's just something that happens. Men are trash. They're going to do that. You know, they can't control themselves. It is what it is. It takes you connecting with people who can show you day by day what it looks like to level up from that for you to even believe you can start living and in that. The cool thing is, is that there's tools available for you, whereas yeah. the generation before, it wasn't. It wasn't yeah. a conversation. It wasn't something that you should talk about. Like our parents' generation, they weren't they weren't talking about trauma and nah. conflict resolution. They weren't any of that. That's foreign to them. We have so much at our, like at our hands and our fingertips, literally like we mm -hmm. can do anything. We can get on this phone. There's apps for everything. There's, there's so much to help you. If, if you're willing to be honest with yourself and honesty, that's really the thing that keeps people from progressing. And I, and I don't want to overlook any of the excuses or the reasons because I don't want to, I don't want anyone to hear that I'm just saying, oh, it doesn't matter how you feel or what you went through. Cause I'm not saying that in any way. No. But I am saying you are choosing to stay there. Mm. Whatever it is that happened to you. And the reason I'm saying this is because you have a choice on what kind of life you want to live. You're either going to reproduce your trauma on a daily basis by going back to it, or you're going to get past it. 
And yes, it was somebody else's fault that you had that trauma, but it's your fault that you're still in it. And when I say fault, I don't want you to hear it in a negative say, like, I'm, yo, it's your fault. You don't have the life you want. I'm not saying it with that type of energy. No, there's empowerment in now yeah. you get to decide what's next. Exactly. Your life, if you're breathing, your life is not over. Yes, that time sucked. Yes, I hate that that person molested you. Yes, I hate that that person cheated on you. Yes, I hate all of those things. I don't believe in them and I don't think that you deserved it. Mm -mm. But you are still alive. And the second chapter of your life gets to mm. be whatever you want it to be if you choose to not cycle the trauma every day. Goodness. Because those people will deal with their crap that they did to you. They're going to deal with it. You want to know why? Because they're just reproducing their trauma. Exactly. You just happen to be the person that they spilled it onto. Mm -hmm. Understand, they'll get what's coming to them until they deal with their trauma. Yeah. But you will then continue to get what's coming to you until you deal with yours and then move past it. If you can do that, if you can recognize that it's better for you, then you'll gladly forgive. You'll gladly let go of your partner's wrongs. You'll, glad, you'll just let it go. You won't hold anything against them because you know on the other side of that type of mentality is a happy life. It's a full life. It's a balanced life. Most people hold over you know, moral things as if they don't do immoral things, which that always blows my mind. So when people ask me about forgiveness within relationships, I'm like, if you're not forgiving it's because you think you're morally higher than they are. Wow. That's the whole reason. It doesn't matter what they've done to you, whatever they've done to you, you are treating it as if you have not done or will do anything bad to anyone else. Now, where we get stuck at is we start comparing the bads. Oh, this person cheated on me. I've never done that to someone else. Okay, cool. But you've hurt other people and you may have not cheated on them, but how do you know what the actions that what you've done, how it affected somebody else? Aww. What if it took them two years to get over what you did, but you didn't know because you're, you're gone. And now it's taking you two years to get over this this person cheating on you. The time period is the same to each person. You mm. still hurt this person and you got hurt. But to not give unforgiveness or, I mean, to give to not give forgiveness and, and to look at yourself as somehow morally higher, that's the, that's the thing that we get stuck in. Because we're all yeah. sinners saved by grace, but now we're judging each other's sin and determining which one of us are higher on the sin pole. And then you by accident, start being like God. Like Oops. you, the unholy person, is determining somebody else's sin. Yeah. The person who is a sinner, saved solely by grace, is now trying to weigh in. Earlier you said justice. We all want justice. How can a people who don't have justice wired into them be able to hand down a proper mandate of justice. That's why God says that he will be the one that will be the judge and executioner of our fate. Why? Because he's the only one that's truly just. Our attempts at justice fail miserably because we judge based on emotions and those emotions are fleeting. Hmm. And that is like the crazy thing. So for me, I've been able to get over heinous stuff done to me because you know why? I'm like, yeah, but I do stuff every day. I sin every day, God. 
And I need your forgiveness every day. And the Bible says the measure to which I judge somebody, I will be judged in return. So if I really want to be harsh against this person that hurt me, then that means you're going to have to be really harsh with me and how I hurt other people. Mm. And I don't think I want that smoke. I want a whole lot of grace, a whole lot of mercy in my life. So I'm going to give a whole lot of grace and a whole lot of mercy in my life. If you hurt me, I'm going to choose to understand you first. I'm going to try to walk your shoes first. And I'm going to forgive you first. That's the first thing I'm going to do. I'm going to try to understand why you did it as opposed to being like, oh, I can't believe they did it because that's going to help me get to forgiveness a lot quicker. And at the same time, be able to trust that if I do something wrong, I got a whole lot of forgiveness and grace stored up in the karma world, in the God world, in the spiritual world to where when I make a mistake, hopefully I'll get that grace in return. Which I hope to the people hearing it, we're not saying forgiveness is, that was okay. I'm okay. Everything's fine. Forget, that's not forgiveness. I kind of just see it as severing the tie, severing that kind of energetic tie, that spiritual tie where it's now everything that happens in my life is because of you. I am this way because you did that to me. And I, I you know I'm stuck in this stuff because of you. Forgiveness is the, I'm going to just cut that. Whatever's over there, you can handle that over there but I'm not going to keep repeating that narrative in my head or um, festering in all the hatred and bitterness that I have for you. It's just, it's well, not even more so, The imagery of cutting it, I would even take it a step further because when yeah. you see the image of cutting it, it's like you're losing something. Hmm. I see the image more like, take your power back. I like that, yeah. You're gaining something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, if you're looking at it at the scales, every time you hold on to unforgiveness, you're dropping a freaking gold brick onto their life. And you're like, okay, here, have this power over me. Here's some more. Mm. Still not over it. And they're getting rich. And, and, and the monetary value are your thoughts, your oh. time, your emotions. You're sowing all of this into the person that has already moved on to something else. But just like you're throwing money at them. It's like you're just giving them more money and that money is your time, your thoughts, your energy. Yeah. Here, have all my power, have all my thoughts, have all my emotions. I'm going to need them if I want to get into another healthy relationship. There we go. That doesn't matter. I want you to have them all. I don't want to forgive you. Please take all of my emotional money so that I'm emotionally bankrupt. That when I go into this new relationship, they see that I'm bankrupt and they're like, "Mm, I don't want to pay for your crap. Yeah. I wish you had your own emotional dollars because right now I'm just paying for both of us and it's a drain. (sighs) And the type of person you want will be able to see that in you because they've done the work. So like when I told you about my relationship with Ange, fake a stomach ache and bounce, a joke. I immediately in the first date knew somebody hurt her. I'm paying for it. I will not stick around. I'm way too valuable to deal with this chick's trauma to where she's projecting her ex-boyfriend on me. Like, no, 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 no. I will find somebody else. I will find somebody better. That's just how I think. Cause I'm like, I'm becoming a better person. I will find somebody better. So I was ready to walk out on her immediately because I identified, oh, she's trying to make me pay for somebody else's mistakes. Which I want to address to anyone listening and got this in their head. First of all, a lot of our music glorifies what you're talking about of like 
find someone who could fix you, find someone who could heal you, find someone who will fix everything the person before did, and that's love. What we're talking about here is personal responsibility of I'm going to see it, be honest with myself, I'm going to do what I need to grow in it. And of course, now if Angela has something going on, you're not going to just bounce on her because you guys have stakes, you're invested in each other, you have a relationship, but you can't have that mindset when you're developing something with someone of like, I want you to fix me or even in marriage, don't ever think I need you to fix me. And that's how I know you love me. It just doesn't work. And you probably won't even know that you're doing it. Yeah. You won't even know that you're asking someone to fix you. And the reason you won't know is because you don't know what fixing you looks like. You're expecting Mm -hmm. a broken person to fix a broken person. It's like literally when they say the blind is leading the blind, like broken people can't fix broken people. Whole people can guide you to it at least step by step because everybody's continually becoming whole. So if like, I feel like I'm whole in forgiveness so I can help somebody who deals with unforgiveness. Mm-hmm. But I may not be whole in something else. So now I have to attach the, to my wife to help me become whole in this area that she's whole in. And that's mm-hmm. how we help as humanity yeah. to become whole as a, as a community, as a, as a world. Like where I'm weak and you're not, please help me be strong. Mm. And let's see that in one another. But we also get to choose the type of weaknesses that we join our life with. So if you're mm-hmm. dating somebody and they have a weakness that you don't want to fight, don't get in it. Because there's no guarantee at the end of the rainbow that they're going to change. Exactly. So it may be, that may be the one thing that stays. So if they're just not affectionate, they may never be affectionate. Thank you. And you have to be okay with that going in and you cannot hold it against them. Nope. Doesn't do it, which we do all the time. No, can't. You have to be like, I decided I was, I was an accomplice to this, (laughs) you know, he, this is how I met him. This is how he is. So that's why it's like, bruh. Not that people can't change, but you want the best starting position. Yeah. (laughs) Marriage is going to be so hard or relationships are so hard. You just want to give yourself the best shot at winning. In five years of your marriage, you can literally be with a stranger. I've seen it happen. Yeah. 80% of the relationships and marriages in my life, Christian and non-Christian, have ended in divorce. I look around and definitely way more divorced than married. Yeah, yeah. All of their stories are like, this person is someone else. They freaking flip the wig. (laughs) They're completely different. So I'm not one to think, oh, just go to the church, marry yourself a good Christian man or girl, and it's going to be okay. Nah. Nah. I used to think that that was was, uh, the the solid formula. Yeah. Now I'm like, nah, nah. Because those people go even more crazier. Just find you someone that have the same core values and you have a good starting point. If y'all are both running at the same pace, that is your best chance at winning. Yeah. But there is absolutely no guarantee. There's no guarantee because this thing takes an equal amount of hard work, which is why I say I want a relationship that's 100-100, not 50-50. We're going to have to do a whole nother thing on certainty and our obsession with it, but that's for another time. Is yeah. there any last thoughts that you would want 
the peoples to know or just something that's burning yeah, my if mind. you listen this far uh i want to ask forgiveness if i said anything that may have triggered you in a negative way i definitely obviously don't mean that if you want to reach out to me about something i said for clarification nights at the round table spelled with n-i-g-h-t-s uh nights at the round table pod that's my podcast uh or just look me up manuel reyes and that's spelled m-a-n-w-e-l-l once mm-hmm. you this man is doing well that's how you can remember it <laughs> on all platforms and you can totally uh hit me up if you have any questions about anything or if you want to ask me more if i said something that you need explanation at least give me a chance to explain especially if i hurt you or if i came off a certain way uh and I really do believe in everyone. And I do believe that everyone deserves love. I really do. It doesn't matter where you're at in this spectrum of what we've talked about. I believe that you deserve love. I believe that there's someone out there that will love you. Um, so I hope I hope you don't give up. Mm. I really do. Yay. That was great. I really like how direct Manny is. He says what he's thinking, straight and outright. Clear communication, man. That's good. I'm curious to know from you, though, what stood out to you? What takeaways about um, maybe something you want to try in your own relationship? Maybe a question you want to ask your partner? Maybe it's something that you realize um, in yourself that you've been doing that you don't want to do anymore. Anything like that reach out on instagram at my intimacy therapist or you can join the patreon community that would be the better option (laughs) come on over because when you give me feedback about episodes then i can create more episodes based on your questions based on what you like or you might have a question for me and i can send you a personalized response straight back so all of the information's in the show notes, but remember who you are as you continue your day, as you wake up in the morning and go to sleep at night. You are fully seen, you are fully known, and you are fully loved. Have a great day, and we will talk soon. <laughs>